Well, hello, everybody. It is great to see you. I am very excited about this whole opportunity for one day. Bonnie and I have been doing this for like, I don't know, over a decade where we figured out how much we make in one day, and then we bring an offering to help people in need. And uh, I've even liked picking the day that, that I go to work and say, for this day, it's not coming to me. It's going to go to who knows who, but God does. And then we go through Serve 6-8, Convoy of Hope. We give to a lot of different agencies. So pray about it. If you would like to participate, uh, we'll start it next weekend. We'll give you the whole month to do it. But make it, make it joyful. I mean, we don't like guilt giving. I, 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 it's one thing I learned early on. If you can't give with joy, the joy is really in the giving. Amen? And so uh, don't do this if you're not ready for it. But if you can and you want to and you can do it with that right heart, it's really a great way where we can, we can make a big difference with thousands and thousands of dollars all over the world. Um, today, I'm, I'm really challenged by this message. I'm, I'm having fun this weekend kind of challenging you and challenging me and challenging all of us to say, what does it mean? I, I, I put the title as a question, is God really there? Is God really there? Now that's it's kind of a loaded question because I would say, yes, God is there. But what is there? Is it right here? Like right here? Or is God there? Like miles, you know, up there somewhere. If he gives me a message, it's going to take a couple days for me to get it, right? <laughs> or, or is he here in my mind? Like my, my thought processes, can he influence my my thinking, we say, well, he lives in my heart. Well, not really, but my being, my body. When I walk with God for a lot of years and I read Scripture, I believe he's there in Scripture. I believe if you live a life where you're trying to live pure, then he's there. He's there in the way you make decisions. He doesn't have to show up. I mean, I want to be honest with you, so this might surprise some of you. As a pastor, I kind of got scolded a little bit for saying this last service, but I'm going to say it again. God isn't very chatty with me. Like, I, I don't have a special line to God that says, you know, you need to let me know because I'm about to decide. You know, God, God is God. You know, when you're God, you really don't have to prove anything. Would you agree with that? Like, if you came up to me right now and said, I don't believe you're Derry Northrop. I would probably say, okay, <laughs> okay, I don't, I don't know what to do about that, but I really don't need to do anything to make you believe. And sometimes people are like, well, I don't really think there's a God, and God's going, okay, someday you're going to find out. <laughs> yeah. You might wish you would have rethought that. Um, God is really there. It's just, where is the there? So... How many of you came to faith, Just I'm just curious about this, I've been asking in each service, how many of you kind of decided to believe in God or you went on a journey and it took, it took a few years, like a journey of thinking and processing and listening to stuff, how many of you, it was like that, it was kind of like this metamorphosis, yeah, okay, I like that. Um, how many of you, it was just a crisis and you knew it was the end and you needed God now? Okay, good. How many of you grew up like me and you don't have like a, a go date. I don't know when I really gave my life to the Lord. I just grew up always believing it. 
right? Okay. Uh, all of these ways create different environments of confusion. So for me, growing up with this, my battle sometimes would be, well, you've always taught this, learned this. It's all you've known. What if there really isn't to God, but you've just been brainwashed? And, you know, it's all you've known. And so is, is there really, or did you just believe what your parents said? You have a lot of church experiences. But then every now and then you have those moments where God kind of shows up in your life and there's true, like, revelation. There's true emotion. There's true grit. There's faith. There's the, the growing in your heart of all of these different spiritual things that we are composed of as human beings. We have a spirit man, Right? And God touches that part of us, and we go, wow, why am I crying? <laughs> why did that touch me? Why is that so big in my heart right now? And it's because the Spirit of God comes in and talks with us, nurtures us, grows us. I'm convicted of sin. I feel bad. Why do I feel bad? Because the Lord is trying to get me on the road that honors Him. So I could go on and on and on with this. There are a lot of reasons. Well, you know, last weekend we talked about Peter making this statement when Jesus says, who do, who do they say I am? Who do you say I am? And Jesus says, you're the Messiah. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. So, so Peter knows that. And so today in chapter 9, we're going we're gonna to really jump to what is called the transfiguration. Have you ever heard of that? It's where Jesus allows a glimpse of his deity side, his God side. And a couple guys join him, Moses and Elijah. And they're all together in this metamorphosis. The Greek word transfigured means metamorpho, which is to completely change the metabolism of your body. So Jesus is re revealing his deity side, his spirit, and We'll look at it. So, but, but why this glimpse? And that's the first point. Why did Jesus let these guys have this glimpse of who Jesus was? They were already following him. But it's like God said, no, they need to see this. Jesus is like, come with me, and, I, and you're going to see something that not everybody gets to see. In Mark chapter 9, verse 2, it says, six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. That's kind of that close-knit group. And he led them up high, up to a high mountain to be alone. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed. His clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any earthly bleach could ever make them. And Elijah and Moses appeared to begin talking with Jesus. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, Peter, James, and John are standing there, and Jesus steps ahead of them a little bit, and all of a sudden, it's interesting, too, that they knew it was Moses and Elijah. It tells me that in our spirit bodies someday, we're going to know who people are. I don't understand how it all works, but they knew it was them. And then here's Jesus being transformed, metamorphosed. It's like, wow, this is quite a moment. This is quite a big deal. I'm not sure what they thought or what they felt. One theology question might be, why Moses? Why Elijah? Why not 
someone else. But if you think about it a little bit, there's a couple reasons why I think. Moses, you know, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Moses was the guy with the law. He's the writer of all that. All the law came through Revelation, the Ten Commandments, all the stuff with Moses, and Jesus came to fulfill the law. So it seems appropriate, and I don't know what they're talking about. I wish, I wish Peter would have heard a little whisper, like, hey, Moses, I'm fulfilling all that law you wrote down. And Elijah, what's the thing of Elijah? He's like, he's like the boss of all prophets. He's like the dean. He's the president. Elijah represents the prophetic in a way, and Jesus came to fulfill all of the prophecies of the prophets. So here you have this picture of, of Jesus with the law and the, the prophets, and they are together. And I think that's very significant. I, here's my question. Does God want you to see him? Jesus had a plan here. He, he obviously wanted something to happen here because he took them with him to the mountain, so he wanted them to see what was going on. Even though he doesn't need to prove himself, he did this. Now, the next part of this is hilarious. And the second point, I would say humility creates a need to do something. Maybe humility with gratitude. If I could rewrite that note, I'd probably add the word gratitude in there. How many of you know God loves humility and gratitude, and they usually go together? Being thankful is one of the greatest things you could ever have as a trait in your life. Well, Peter is very grateful. He's filled with that gratitude, and he's also very humbled to be there. And so Peter exclaimed. That word means an explosion of speech. He, he, he just, out of nowhere, he just says, Rabbi, it's wonderful for us to be here. Let's Make three shelters as memorials. This is the word tabernacle, which could be a rock pile, a building made out of something from the mountain there. Um, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. <laughs> Look at verse 6. He said this because he didn't really know what else to say. <laughs> they, were, they were terrified. <laughs> He's like, have you ever met someone that has to say something? I mean, they have to say something. They just can't let it go. You know, there's a lightning bolt. And it's like, oh my goodness, did you see that lightning bolt? You know, where the rest of us are going, hmm, cool. <laughs> Peter's that guy. I love him. Of course he opens his mouth. Of course he says something. He doesn't know what to say, so he, he says what any Jewish man would say, let's build a tabernacle, let's build a shelter, let's build a memorial, let's do something. He was, he was so humbled, he was appreciative that he was there. I love that about him. He, he really is working to try to do something to show how much he appreciates Jesus letting him in on this. And that is worth saying. He's being respectful and appreciative. He's willing to work physically, to go gather rocks as a memorial or to do something special. Did Jesus need him to build a shelter? No. That's a very important point here. When God reveals himself to us, it is not so that we have to do something back for him. 
Now, our culture is pretty messed up with this. Oh, man, they've had us over for dinner twice. We've got to have them over. But they've paid. We need to pay this time. They bought us a Christmas card. We've got to get them one. You know that trap? It's just endless. That's, that's our human world. And I understand. Reciprocity is a good thing. And when you can give something back and don't let it always be one-sided. I, I get that. I really do. But that isn't why God forgave you of your sins. You know, there are so many religions in this world that teach that payback principle. And those religions want you to live in guilt every day for the rest of your life. And that is not why Jesus came. You cannot do anything to pay God back. Nothing. That's, that price has been paid. If you try, you fail. It just, the, the, the valley gets deeper. It's too much. Your sins are forgiven. Only God can do that. So yes, we're called to use our gifts. Yes, we're called to use the talents that we have and to live our lives daily. Like for some of you, if you don't sign up for this media, you're gonna go to hell. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. How many of you would say you don't want me signing up for media, right? right? Okay, I get that. I get that too. But of course we're supposed to use our lives and, and do what we can and, and give with our gifts. Some of you have gifts of hospitality, gifts of giving. You know how to make money. Gifts of There's just a lot of different gifts that God has given that he wants you to share. That's the joy of why you have the gift. But don't think in your brain that God needs you to pay him back because you can't get there. The gap is just too big. Jesus wants you to follow him and he wants you to rest in him. There's a passage in scripture that says, abide in me. That word just means, why don't you sit down, have a seat, take a load off, and just be with me. We're, we're scurrying around trying to make this happen and do this. And backpacks are great, trips are great, missions, it's all good what we do. But we do it out of love for God. Not payback. Abide. Just, just let him love on you. Just, just come up on his lap and say, God, here I am. Can't do a thing to pay you back. Peter needed that response because he was fully human. Number three, the art of listening. Now this gets interesting in the story because we see a shift in what happens and Jesus is gonna you know, have something said over him from Father God. In verse seven, then a cloud overshadowed them and a voice from the cloud said, this is my d dearly loved Son, listen to him. Suddenly, they looked around. Moses and Elijah were gone, and they saw only Jesus with them. What's going on here? How many of you remember another time that a voice came out of the sky over Jesus? You guys remember that? What was it? His baptism. That's right. And what did the voice say? This is my dearly beloved son. In whom I am well pleased. Jesus hadn't started his ministry yet, and God was saying, This is my son, I'm pleased with him before he does anything. In other words, he doesn't have to do stuff for me to be pleased with him. 
abiding in God is what he wants from you, okay? He says that over his son, and now he's telling these other three guys, this is my beloved son. No doubt they're remembering this, this big statement from baptism, and now it says, listen to him. And they look, and who's gone? Moses is gone. Elijah's gone. Why? I think God is making a point that, I mean, these guys had memorized the law. They had studied the Torah. They, he's saying, this, this is my son. He's more important than anything else in your whole life. All your learning, all your history, all your rabbis, listen to him. And I think it's a great lesson for us in what we listen to. What are you putting in your head? Man, we, we listen to a lot of voices. I personally like noise. Like I have music on in my car pretty much all the time. And every now and then I'll actually listen to the lyrics. <laughs> Sometimes, oh, there's this one country station. It's like modern country. It makes me laugh so many times. Um, it's clever, some of the songs they come up with. But I don't want junk coming in my brain. What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you binging on? <laughs> Besides popcorn, <laughs> right? Just think about where your brain is and what you're feeding it. It's not, it's not, I, I don't feel like I'm trying to be some old time preacher here, you know, blowing up everything. Um, but I, I, I feel like there should be a challenge when God says, listen to him. I wonder if I listen to everything else way before I listen to God. What's that latest podcast? What's that latest hero? I better listen to that. I better. I get stuff that you send me all the time. Appreciate it. Here, you got to hear this podcast. You got to read this book. You got to, and I, I do appreciate it. But honestly, there's certain things that I look at or get. I read the first chapter and go, I'm not reading this. I don't want this in my brain. This is not what the Bible teaches, and I'm not even going to. Go down this path. Well, you're not very open-minded. No. I'm, I'm really not. I want to be Jesus-minded. And he's pretty clear on a few things in Scripture. On those things, I want to be clear as well. And I don't want to shift with the sand. And our culture shifts with the sand, right? So are you listening to him? See, God knew what these three guys were up to and where they were headed, and it, it's mattered. it matters what Jesus is going to be teaching them. Listen to him. Now, verse 4, I mean, uh, point 4, is kind of a sad one. Uh, it's we can't always stay on the mountain. Now, they just had a pretty good experience. Would you agree? I mean, when you're up there with Jesus and then Moses joins you and Elijah joins you, you see this glorified body. Wow. <laughs> let's, let's stay here and build a shelter and have lunch, right? I want to live here. But look at this first line of, of verse 9. Matter of fact, just say it with me. Ready? As they went back down the mountain. Would you mind? As they went back down the mountain. So simple, but that is a really big statement. He told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept it to themselves, and they often ask each other what he meant by 
you know, rising from the dead. <laughs> I think this was really hard for Peter. He's like, James, John, come here. Remember that when we were on the mountain? Oh, yeah. Have you told anybody yet? <laughs> nope. <laughs> See, our tendency is to have a mountain experience and want to stay there. It's not evil. It's wonderful. I can tell you honestly, I still almost get goosebumps when I think of certain mountaintop experiences in my life with God. One that I'll never be able to put out of my mind or my emotion. I could cry just talking about it right now. Was at a youth camp in Cedar Ridge, Colorado, and God called me into full-time ministry to be a pastor. I'll never forget that. I was 16 years old. And I started weeping. I was trembling. The Spirit came on me. I don't understand all that. That doesn't happen to me normally. And the guy who was preaching said, if you feel God is calling you into being a pastor, a full-time uh, vocational minister, I want you to come down to the front. And I was literally shaking. And I started crying, and I walked down to the front of that room, and on that night, right there, I said, God, I'm going to do this. This is what you're calling me to do. Not everyone has that kind of a calling. I know that. But I did. And it's a moment for me, and it's a mountain for me. And I, I remember walking out of that chapel going, Life is going to be different now. Let's go change the world. I had to go back to high school. <laughs> Public high school. I didn't, I didn't want that. Wow. Moses, you know what's interesting about Moses and Elijah? They also had mountaintop experiences. So I don't know if that's why Jesus took them to the mountain. All this is, you know, starts to kind of make sense. Moses went to Sinai, remember this? And, and he goes to the top, and what does God give him? Ten Commandments, right? God writes on stone with his finger. Forty days or whatever. I mean, it's crazy. And Moses, it says, when he's coming off the mountain... He's, he's as white as snow, like similar to this story. He's been with God. And when he comes off of the mountain, what happens to those wonderful Israelites down below? They got impatient and they made a false god called a golden calf. Melted it down and they were worshiping it. <sighs> That'll ruin a mountain experience. He's come down to bring the Ten Commandments to tell them that God met with him and did this. And, and he sees this and he was so angry that he threw them down on the ground and broke them. God's like, oh man, all that work. <laughs> so he had to chisel them out the next time. You ever been on a cruise? A good one. Like I, I haven't been on too many, but Bonnie and I went on a few with our kids when they were young, and I'm oh I just I just remember not believing all this food. It's like you can eat 24-7. All these excursions, you can just walk around, you're on this boat, you're in the ocean, you're you're seeing sights, you can 
you know, go with the whales. It's like heaven. I mean, I'm serious. If you don't think you're going to go to heaven, you better get on a cruise. <laughs> Entertainment and oh, I remember the last day. They're like, pack up your thing. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is my room. Nobody else is going to stay in this room. I'm going to live here. I'm moving here. See, that's what we do sometimes with God. We want the mountain so bad. This earth is not the mountain. This earth is where we live to let our light shine, to let salt be salt. That's why we go into our neighborhoods. We mix it up with people. We let God use us and speak through us, and it's not always pretty, and we get diseases, and we have pains, and we get arthritis, and that's part of living on this earth. I don't like it. Okay, that was a little old-fashioned, but it's, it's who I am. No, don't clap. Oh, don't get me going. I'm telling you, you don't, you don't want to do that. I love the mountain. I love the mountaintop, but it's not where God has us living. We visit there. And we remember and we cherish, and we pray, and we say, thank you, God, for the mountain. Thank you for this call on my life. I don't, I don't take it for granted. But I must move on. Last thing, it's a question. Does God really have a plan for your life? Naturally, I wanna say yes, because I, I really do believe the answer is yes. I just don't think we see it that clearly, and I'm not sure that God wants us to see it that clearly, to be honest. Look at this, verse 11. Then they ask him, why do the teachers of religious law insist that Elijah must return before the Messiah comes? Jesus responds, Elijah is indeed coming first to get everything ready, yet why do the scriptures say that the Son of Man, talking about himself, must suffer greatly and be treated with utter contempt? But I tell you, Elijah has already come. Now, again, without going too deep into the theology of this, he's referring, I believe he's referring here to John the Baptist. It's stated that John the Baptist has the spirit of Elijah, and he's the predecessor to Jesus. He baptized in water, Jesus. And so all this was happening, and it says, I tell you, Elijah has already come, and they chose to abuse him. They lopped off his head, just as scriptures predicted. Jesus did not stop and sit down and explain all of this very well. They're still wondering. You can read on through some, the next story, and Jesus didn't stop and say, okay, let's break it down. Do you know sometimes your life is just a mystery your whole life? And the things that happen to you, you cannot prepare for. It is beyond your control. It is beyond your ability. You might not be able to fix it or take care of it. I deal with people all the time. It's my life. Who Crazy stuff happens to them. All of a sudden they're diagnosed with this and they, they have four months to live. They didn't see this coming. What do you do with that? And, and then we get all paralyzed and fearful about that. I think I said to Bonnie the other day, look, man, when it's my time, it, it's going to be my time. I don't want it to be four months, but if it is, I'm going cruising. <laughs> now you know what I mean 
I don't, I don't have this all figured out. And my, the plan that I have is I'm trying to line it up with God's. I just know that I can trust him. And faith means I really don't know what tomorrow holds. I don't know. But I'm trusting him. And I believe in him. And I'm going to give my life to that. But I know I'm living on this earth. Something's going to take me out someday, somewhere. And I'm still going to be serving him. There's a determination and a hopefulness that comes over me when I think of that. Because God does have a plan. Let me, let me give you two things to practice. These are just quick little points that I want to make. Number one is try to see that glimpse. You know, he took Peter, James, and John up on that mountain to see that glimpse. Every now and then I go back to Camp Cedar Ridge and I walk up to that spot where I, I had that mountain experience. I have another place where I had an experience that I go back to. I go to my dad's grave sometimes in Grand Junction and I'll just stand there and look at his name on that marker board and, and, and I, have, I have peace about God in my life and how my dad invested in me. I have a few other spots like that that are physical spots that I go to that give me peace. And I just want you to maybe have some markers in your life where you go, that was very real for me. God met me there. But then I, can't, I don't live there. I can't stay there. I have to say, God, what does today look like? How am I going to navigate through this horrible situation I'm in? This disease that's trying to get my blood. Whatever it is, God's with you. That's his promise. He hasn't promised to take it all away from you on this earth. That's later. On this earth, we live with all this stuff. But he is with us. That's the difference. He's with us. The second one is just look for the plan. Just take a moment this week when you're confused or you're going, what is going on? Say, where's the plan taking me? God, what? Why this? This surprised me. I didn't see this coming. Okay. God still got you. You might actually be going through a trial in order to get you in proximity with someone else going through a similar trial. When you say, Lord, take my life, I give you everything, he might take you up on it. And he might put you in places you would never be otherwise because of his sovereign plan. Because he needs you to be his ambassador. Wow, all these things are very real. Let's pray. Lord, I believe. I believe you have a plan. I want to know it as best I can, but I don't need all the details. I'm just going to follow you. I'm going to trust you. Lord, there are those online right now watching and those in this room right now who need to make a declaration that they're believing you. Even in the storm, even in the trial, in their home with their kids, their marriage, their life, their singleness, their finances, whatever it is, you're there. You're right there. You know what I want to do with heads bowed? I'm just going to ask you, if you want to make a declaration statement about you believing God's plan, no matter what you're going through, in just a minute I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. I'm not going to have you come up here or anything. I'm just, I think just standing is 
it's basically a statement, I'm standing with God. That's what I want it to feel like to you in this situation that's on my mind. I'm, I'm believing, I'm standing with God in this. And I'm gonna trust him. And then I'm gonna pray over you and then everyone else is gonna stand and we're gonna sing a song and, and head out of here. So if that's you and you would just stand and let me pray over you, would you stand now please? God bless you. Thank you, Lord. I'm gonna pray over you. If, if there's someone next to you that you know or whatever and you wanna stand with them and put your hand on their shoulder, please do that, that'll be great. What a great moment, Lord, where we just trust you. We are abiding in you and we're standing, making a statement that we stand with you. This trial, this situation, this need is real. We don't deny it. But boy, are we glad you're with us right here, right now. And we just profess our faith over the enemy that you are greater than the destruction that he wants to bring to my life. You are greater than that. And I receive faith. I receive hope. And God, we just pray for our brothers and sisters right now that they would absolutely be amazed at this moment that faith grows in them at such a level that you have a plan for their future and they can live in it and abide in it. <laughs> I thank you for the glory of God we pray this. Amen. Let's all stand. Let's sing this song. Great song. Come on. Think about these words. so much. Wow. Our prayer team, would you guys come up here and just be available to pray? Um, some of you need to come up and let someone agree with you. Let them just take you by the hand and, 
agree with you about what it is that you're walking through. We would love that. If you're new, I would love to meet you. I'll be out at the Welcome Center just to the left as you go out of there. Uh, there's some tables with information, all kinds of ways to get involved. Um, and uh, thank you for being Timberline. Let love live. Let's let it be more than a slogan. Let's do it this week. Say it with me. Let love live. God bless you. Have a great weekend. Thank you.